0: Well, welcome to church. You guys look good today. Does everybody feel good? Amen. Everybody feel good? You should feel good after that worship. Amen. That worship was incredible. You should feel good. You should be you should feel powerful. You should feel encouraged because we serve a great God. Amen. 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 I am so excited uh, to speak today. God really put a word in my heart this morning. For all of us, and it's a word of provision. Come on, how many of you want some provision in your life? Can I get an amen? Amen. That word provision means this, that which is provided or prepared, that which is brought together, arranged in advance, measures taken beforehand in preparation. That means God already has provision lined up in your life. God is ready to provide in your life. It's already set up, it's provided and prepared. So, how many of you are ready for some provision in your life? Three of you want some provision. That's good. We're off to a really good start. Hopefully, by the end of our time, all of us would like some provision. In their life, I know I would love some provision in my life. I, I, I love gifts. It was my birthday this past week, and I love, thank you, 33. Uh, me and Jesus, we're, you know, 33. Hopefully it's not my last birthday, though. <laughs> you know, I'm excited for heaven. I just don't want to go right now. I mean, if he chooses to go right now, I'm, I'm ready for it, but I, I'm very blessed, and I love my life. And so, uh, what I realized this week: the the older you get, the less you do on your birthday, right? Because I can remember growing up, and you get this big birthday party, you have friends coming over, and then you get into your, you know, your your late teens, your early twenties. You maybe maybe not you, because you guys are all holy people. But I went out at night on my birthday. These were my BC days. We kind of went out all night. And now, in my thirties, it's like I, I'm, you know, on my birthday, I uh, just had sushi and took a nap. So. What I did, and it was a great birthday, you know. So you know naps are few and far between nowadays. But uh, I love getting gifts. I, I love receiving gifts. And God's got a gift for you. God's got the gift of provision waiting for you. And there's some steps that I think we need to to take and, and to think about as we receive God's provision in our life. I want to read a story found in 2 Kings, and and this story is, is really, really cool I, I really like this story It's, a, it's about a widow uh, that needs uh, some, prov- some provision She needs to be provided for And, and what I love about this story in some context Is that this story is smack dab in the middle Between two other stories The story before this story in the Bible God provided for three kings Three kings needed provision And God provided for them and then in the story behind this story, are you following me? We're, we're there. We're now we're at step three. The story behind this story, God provided for a very wealthy, powerful queen, this leader in her day. And this story is about God providing for a poor widow. So it doesn't matter if you're wealthy, powerful, uh, three kings or a poor widow, God is still going to provide in your life. God provides for everybody, not just the wealthy, not just the powerful, not just for the saved, not just for the lost. God provides for everybody. So some more context about the story, the current king of Israel in this story uh, is leading the nation to turn away from God. He doesn't want anybody to, to believe in God. He just wants everybody to turn away from it and worship some false idols. And this widow was one of the few left that's worshiping God in Israel, still kind of honoring the Lord. And her husband, who was a prophet, had died. And so she had some sons, and his, his, her husband left him some debt, a little bit of debt, and the creditors were coming. They, they, needed to, they needed to get this money from this widow. She didn't have anything. And in Mosaic Law, if you didn't have the money when the creditors were coming, her sons were going to become slaves. They were not only going to take her husband's gone, they, weren't gonna, they were not only going to take her house, but they were going to take her sons away from her. And your sons in Mosaic Law, your sons were your inheritance. They were going to go and take care of, Of the family they were gonna go off and they were gonna take care so now she has no security she's desperate and so we pick up the story in chapter 4 and it says this this is the story Elisha helps a poor widow it says one day the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out my husband who served you is dead and you know how he feared the Lord but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And Elisha asked, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you, Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And when the, then the stopped, olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Elijah and God provided for this widow. You see, what happened in this story is that she didn't really believe in the olive oil. Right? She said to herself, she's like, I don't have anything in my house. All I have is a little jar of olive oil. She was looking at scarcity. Like, this is scarce. There's not much left. And so what happens is when, just like in our day and age, when something is scarce, when something, there's not much left, what do we do with this? not much left? We try to hold on to it. We try to reserve it we tried to keep it like this is all I got left like the other day I got a five pound bag of Swedish fish someone really blessed me it was amazing and what happened was when I got home with this big bag of Swedish fish I'm just you know my kids were like little velociraptors they were coming up to me like we need some of those like give me some And so I had a a lot left, and so I'm just, like, throwing them at them. Like, yeah, I got five pounds of these. It's no big deal. But what happened last night, I opened the bag, and there was not much left. So when they were asking for some, I'm like, no, Daddy needs these. (laughs) These are mine. I don't have much left. So what I was doing is I was being scarce. And here's the truth. We don't serve a God that wants us to be scared in scarcity. We serve a God that wants us to be powerful with provision. We don't want to be scared with scarcity. We want to be powerful with provision. This woman was scared, but then she was powerful. This woman was scared, this is all I got. And then it was look at what God did. And look what God can do for you. Because we serve a God of provision. So how do we go from scarcity, maybe there's something in our lives that, hey, it's scarce, I'm scared, I don't know what to do. God's got to start moving. So how do we go from a scarcity mentality to a provision mentality? I think there's four things that we can do. And the first one is, Dreaming is important. Doing is essential. Dreaming is important. But if we stop at dreaming, nothing happens. Because the doing is essential. Right? She dreamed of not having a little jar of oil. She dreamed of her sons not being taken away from her. She dreamed of not living life. With scarcity, but Elisha said, "Go and do this," and she had a choice to make. She could either take him at his word and start doing, or she could have just sat there and said, "Why? What's the point? There's nothing left." One of my favorite shows to watch is Shark Tank. Any Shark Tank fans? It's not about a shark, it's not about sharks. It's about these five really successful business people that have turned a dream into a reality and became super successful. Super you know rich and famous and what they're doing is they're not holding on to it themselves. That what they do is they line these sharks up, these five really successful business people up and they have people with dreams and they come into the shark tank, and they pitch their dreams to these sharks. And what they have to do is that they decide, hey, we, based on what you're trying to sell us, based on what you're trying to do, based on your product, we are going to fund you. We are gonna come behind you. We are going to help you. And what happens, most times than not, people will come in with a dream, and they'll come in asking for some money, or some provision, or some advice, and they'll ask them, how did you get to where you're at? What did you do? What, did you, what has set you apart? And based on that argument, based on their sales, based on their hustle, based on their doing, they usually say, okay, we're going to come in and we're going to provide for you. One of the, the wealthiest shark, you know, the shark that I think uh, this shark is actually worth more money than all the other four combined, his name is Mark Cuban. And Mark Hewman uh, started off with a dream. He wanted to have a dream to own an NBA franchise one day. But Mark came from a family that you know, lived in scarcity, lived in poverty. All he had was a dream. And so when he told his dad and his mom about this dream, they said, if that's your dream... You're going to have to go start working for that dream. And so all he had was garbage bags. And so what he did is he went door to door selling garbage bags. Door to door, knocking, hey, do you need a garbage bag? I know you probably have some garbage. This garbage bag is different. What's different about it? And he pitched garbage bags. And about 15 years ago... Mark Cuban bought the Dallas Mavericks for $5.7 billion. From selling garbage bags to now owning the Dallas Mavericks. He said, there were times when all I had to eat was ketchup and mustard sandwiches. That's tasty. (laughs) Ketchup and mustard, there's no meat. He said, I couldn't afford meat. I couldn't afford lettuce. I couldn't afford tomatoes. All I could afford was ketchup and mustard and bread. It's like it was essential that I went out and worked. Dreaming alone won't get the job done. You have to go out and build up some sweat equity. It's all over Scripture, it's all over Scripture. The miracle that Jesus turned water into wine. What did they have to do? They had to go and fill those barrels. It took some work. And there's a story in the Old Testament where they wanted rain. It hadn't rained for years. And they said, go out and dig ditches. So they went out and they dug ditches. It's all over. Elijah, with the rain and the small hand, he had to run and run and run. Is there anything, is there any sign of rain? No. Okay, go up again, go up again, go up again, comes back. Is there anything yet? Yes, a cloud the size of a man's hand. Okay, get ready. Go start getting the stuff ready. Go get the wagon ready. We see it all over scripture. Sometimes we think God is slow in answering our provision. We could just be slow in moving. We could just be slow in doing. Right? We need to do. She couldn't just sit there. After Elijah said, you're going to go get some jars. Because the miracle is in that small little jar of oil. You're going to have to go get some more jars. And so what did she do? She sent her sons to go get the jars. That's awesome. I'm not, She's like, go get the jars, and then she had to pour. Maybe you're asking God to provide for your business. Pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. Maybe you want to be in better physical shape. It doesn't happen with just dreaming about it. What happens is getting some accountability and joining a gym and starting to do something you didn't do before. Maybe you want to see more people at your local church. Well, it's not going to just happen by us praying and believing. It's going to happen by us going out and inviting, us getting involved in serving. Maybe you need a better financial situation. Can I tell you something that really helps your financial situation? The art and the worship Of tithing, Tithing. tithing—that is the only sure thing in Scripture that promises us that if you want to see God move in finances, you got to give back what is His first. It's tithing. I. This is there is no better description, and what God can do when you offer what you have. She said, "This is all I got." And she offers it to God and believes in a miracle. What you have, and God is asking for a little bit of it. There's a story in uh, the Bible that talks about this widow had only two pennies. And she gave it to the Lord. And they said, she has given more than anybody else. Because the trust that she had to give with these two pennies was insurmountable to everybody else. It's trust. We need, if we want to see God move in our tithe, and this is not a move like we need your money. I'm just trying to teach you what the Bible says. Because if I don't do that, if I don't teach you what the Bible says, I'm going to have to answer that. It can be really easy to say we don't need your money, which we don't. This is just obedience. Tithing is, obedience dreaming is important the doing is essential you got to do the work number 2 don't diminish what you have don't diminish what you have because what you have ain't nothing what you have ain't new ain't nothing Look at, uh, in 2 Kings, look at her attitude. Look at this verse that she has. We're going to have it up on the screen in 2 Kings. What can I do to help you, Elisha said? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil. Your nothing is something. Her nothing was Something, scarcity is fixed on what I lack. Abundance asks, what do I have? Scarcity is fixed on what I lack. Abundance asks, what do I have? And the thing is, if we want God to provide for us, one of the key components is we have to stay positive. We've got to stay positive, because here's what can happen. When we start dwelling in this scarcity mentality, what we often do is we start comparing ourselves to other people. Another business, another church, another family, another financial situation that another family has. We start comparing. Well, how did, why don't I have what they have? Why don't, why am I blessed like them? Why don't, and the truth is, comparison will lead you away from something far more than failure ever will. We will give up on a dream. We will give up on a a goal. We will give up on something that we're destined to be successful in based on comparison. Based on comparing our situation to somebody else's. What God is asking us to do is like stay focused on what you have. Don't focus on You can be driven by somebody else's story. You can be encouraged and inspired, but don't constantly compare all the way to that situation. It's important to be driven. It's important to be inspired, but we cannot compare because comparison will lead you away more than failure ever will. The church I served at uh, down in Florida prior to To hear and our pastor would often tell this story which is a really inspiring story when he planted the church he would always look there was a couple churches that would that planted the same weekend he did and when he would start worship every Sunday he would start worship and he would be raising his hand but he would be looking over his shoulder you know to see how many people were there and he would keep looking, and he's like, it was, you know, we, we started with 250 people, and he's like, and I grew that thing over the next four weeks down to 80 people. And he would just constantly, and then you know, his friends would call him that planted the same weekend he did, and they're like, Oh, we we hit this number, we hit this number, and, and Pastor Randy, his church was going backwards. And he had a moment with God. He said, Lord, if all you give me is 80 people, then I will be the best pastor to 80 people that I can be. And he stopped comparing, and he stopped counting, he started worshiping, he started inviting, he started the doing, but he stopped the comparing. And now Bayside Community Church is home to 13,000 people with seven campuses. Wow. That is what happens when we stop comparing and diminishing what we have because what we have is not nothing what you have may be small but it's still perfect for a miracle what you have may be scarce but when god gets a hold of it it will be provision don't don't not give your best because it's small Give your best because you serve the God of immeasurably more. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to our power, your neighbor's power, no, his power, that is at work within us. It may be small, but it's not nothing. It's his power that will come with his provision. Number three, God often does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. It says this in Second Kings and going into verse three. We'll read it together. It says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. God does the extravagant through what seems insignificant. See, that jar to her Was insignificant and God was saying Elisha was saying use what's in your hand use what's in your hand because something insignificant in the hands of a servant that is serving God a powerful God is not insignificant anymore it's extravagant again this is all over scripture David used a slingshot to kill Goliath. A slingshot, a kid's toy. That seems insignificant. But in the hands of somebody that believes God is going to provide, that we serve God, that becomes extravagant. The boy with five fish and the loaves, that's going to feed how many people? That seems pretty insignificant. Yeah, when you look at it from an earthly perspective, that is insignificant. But when you put it in the hands of God, of immeasurably more, that becomes immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. It seems insignificant. Moses' staff seems small until it parted the Red Sea, until it smashed the rock until it turned into a snake. God is asking, what's in your hand that you have counted as lost, as you have counted as insignificant? What you deem as small, God deems as an instrument for the miraculous. 10% of my paycheck can really turn my financial situation around? When you think about just as 10%, probably not. But when you think about it as obedience to God and He will provide for you day in and day after, and 90% of your check and in your income will be blessed instead of none, of course it's immeasurably more. Of course it will turn around. And what will that do? Well, 10% won't do much for the church, 10% won't do much. Your 10% could lead to a better kids' ministry, that we can impact more kids for the gospel. Your 10% could mean better video equipment, better sound equipment, so we can reach more lost people that will go in and reach their families for Christ. What seems small is often always going to be extravagant. You have no idea the eternal impact your giving will have until you reach eternity, because there's going to be people in eternity coming up to thank you, and you're going to say, for what? We've never met, and they're going to say, yeah, but your small act of tithing led me to see a message on Capital Land's website when I was in a really tough place living in Alabama, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and it's because of your giving that now I get to spend eternity with Christ. What seems small, God will do the extravagant. Your small once a month serving. Well, it's just one week in a month, it's never small when it comes to being obedient to Christ. Your small active inviting could be the difference between heaven and hell for somebody. When it comes to provision in the name of Jesus, nothing is small or insignificant. Nothing. And that's what Elisha was trying to say. Stop looking at what the world would say about that jar of oil. That jar of oil is going to turn your whole situation around. And lastly, and Missy and the team can come up here as we go back into worship. God's abundance often follows faith. His abundance follows our faith. When all the vessels were filled, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. He answered, There's none left. And the oil stopped. She went and told the man of God, who said, Go sell the oil. To pay off your creditor with what remains, and your children can live. God's abundance follows our faith. Because here's what happens we tend to get the order backwards God, I need more. I need more. I need more. I'm scared in scarcity. God, I need you to provide. Because we've all said this, once I start getting more, then I'll start giving more. Once I start getting more time off, then I'll start serving. Once I start getting more people in my life group, then I'll start doing more. We need, in God's agenda, to start pouring, then We receive more. It's not, God, I need more, then I'll start pouring. God is saying, great, if you need more, start pouring. Start pouring. Because what this proves is where our trust and our dependence lies. I'm scarce. I don't have a lot more fish. So I need to hold on. I don't trust that my provider... Will give me more sweetest fish. But as I started giving more, guess what happened this morning? Someone brought me more. That's a true story. I'm just not trying to stretch the truth a little bit. That's a true story. Someone gave me some more sweetest fish this morning. It was my birthday week. I celebrate all week. It's about me. Look at the parable of the talents God's saying, serve, do something. I'll give you more what are you doing with what I've already given you most every time I've gotten spiritually stuck was because I stopped pouring and started storing in my life I don't want I don't I don't want to read my Bible I don't I don't want to you know pray for somebody I'm just because it's I'm broken I'm hurting I'm I, I don't want to do that and then God, where are you? He never went anywhere. I did. This woman, it's like, God, there, that's nothing. It's like start pouring and find out how much of nothing that is. Because when it comes to me, when it comes to my provision, I need to see where your trust is. Are you trusting in yourself? or are you trusting? In me some of us are spiritually stuck some of us are financially stuck some of us are relationally stuck give your way out of it that's what this woman did she's like okay if because that could be a, look at that she had a little bit and they said pour it out because all of those were empty these sons brought all these empty jars, and she's like, okay. It's like, okay, now I need you to pour that out. She's like, this is all I have. Pour it out. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I asked you for help. I asked you to provide. I asked. Now you're asking me to pour it on like, pour it out. See what happens. Jesus with the five lo- fish and two loaves. Say, okay, that that's that's plenty, actually. We probably could go with just two fish, but that that that'll that's fine. It's not the size that's insignificant. It's our faith. If you've got the faith to pour, he's got the power to do more. If you've got the faith to start taking steps to pour, he's got the power to do more. Don't store it because it goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. It's going to stay here, because at the end of this, at the end of this life, at the end of our our time here, what matters is what we did for eternity. All of this stuff, all the toys, all of the businesses that we, it's all going to rot and rust. But eternity is going to be pop, populated by what God provides for us, so we can go out give at the end of my life and i don't know about you this might not ring true for you but i got the mic so i'm going to say it at the end of my life i'd rather god ask me why did you try to do so much rather than him saying why did you settle for so little Why did you try to give so much? Why did you try to create so much? Why did you try to do so much? Instead of like, Jared, I I set you up to do so much more. Why did you settle for so little? And this woman starts pouring and then, could you imagine what she's thinking about when she starts pouring and it's like, oh my gosh. She stops and looks around, and her sons are like, what in the world is happening? And she starts pouring, the, she fills the first one, and then she starts pouring the second one. She's like, this, ain't, this isn't running out. There's more coming. Because what she didn't do is as she's pouring, she didn't stop and say, okay, that's enough. That'll do. She's like, no, you, we need more jars. We need to continue. I need more provision in my life. We're going to sell all this. We're going to, we're going to live. You're going to stay here. I don't have to give you up anymore. And now we can, we can keep pouring and keep pouring and keep pouring and keep pouring. She was living in provision. God wants you to live in his provision instead of being scared in scarcity. God, this is nothing. God's like, that can be your attitude as long as you want. Or you can say, God, this is what I have. And I don't trust anybody but you. And then watch. It starts pouring. Starts pouring. Starts pouring. Hold nothing back. It's not small, it's extravagant. God. Got provision for you. Start moving. Start doing, and watch him. Watch him fill bottles and jars in your life, so you can go out and start doing more and more, giving more, inviting more, serving more. There is. We are. Nothing, we are more like Jesus. When we start believing in his people and saying, you can be blessed. God's got a plan for you. God's got provision for you. Instead of going to people like, why do you, oh, God, I just, nothing really happened. That's not God's plan. God's got provision on on his way for you. You just have to open the door and start pouring. Start pouring. Nothing is insignificant. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And as we go back into worship today, Father, as we go back into worship today, I am believing you are going to give peace. That surpasses all understanding. Some of us have been scared in scarcity for too long. But you're going to give the peace. That's powerful. You're going to give the peace that is provision. And so God, as we worship today, and if you're here, you can stand up and raise your hands to heaven like you're going to receive his provision. Your act of faith. This is your saying, okay, I'm pouring. I'm pouring my life out. I'm giving it. I'm going to start. I'm going to start somewhere. I'm going to start doing something different in my life because I want the provision that God promises me. God promises us provision. God promises us to come through for us. God promises us that he will work it out. Jesus, we love you. And we are believing today as we go into worship with our hands open, that we are receiving your provision today that we are receiving your teaching today, that we are receiving the act of doing and dreaming and the act of pouring. We're pouring our lives out on you today, God, because we want what you have promised for us, and that is a life of provision. Provision in our relationships, provision in our marriages, provision in our finances, provisions in our health, Father. You are a God of immeasurably more. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship this morning. I love-